start date negative three zero one eight two one point nine five. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kind of funny podcast covering new and classic Trek. I'm your deep in the heart of Texas, Captain Mariah Gossett. With me on the view screen, we have Clyde Haynes. Don't be a cantaloupe. Be a cantaloupe. <laughs> oh, oh no, he took mine. <laughs> <laughs> It happened. Badgy. <laughs> Welcome, Paul. Uh, I, I'm Paul Satachit, and I am your guy who can't pun for any fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. It's okay, Paul. All is forgiven. Tonight, we have a jam-packed episode. We're talking about the season three finale of Lower Decks, The Stars at Night, and the mid-season relaunch of Prodigy, episode 11, Asylum. But first, we just have a couple of reminders. Paul, can you tell people where they can find us on the internet as a podcast? Yes. Uh, uh, listeners, uh, we ask you to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, all the links are at StarTrekPod.co. And if you love our content and uh, would like to help us, uh, join our Patreon for just $2 per episode at Patreon.com slash StarTrekPod. Yes. I didn't need that at all. <laughs> You got it. You got it. It's happening. Clyde, how else can people engage with us this evening if they are watching on the live stream? If you're watching on the live stream, then uh, we invite you to participate with us, hang out, tell us how you feel, give us a comment, ask a question. And to do that, all you have to do is type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod into the chat, and we will take a look at your comment. And in a moment, we're going to talk about those things that really stood out to us. We have a special word for them. Just type capital H, capital F, capital HF, HF into the pod, and we will take a look at yours. Correct. Okay, y'all. Not going to dilly-dally. We got a lot to cover this evening. Whew. We're going to jump right into the Lower Decks finale, uh, finish up this season with a Cali kick-ass review of the stars at night, which was directed by Jason Zurich and written by Mike McMahon. And I think you all might know what time it is. It is time for some. Hot freaks! Hot freaks! Time for some mm. hot freaks. Hot freaks. Mm, mm. Uh, Paul, what did you think about this one? You weren't here last week. I wasn't here last week. Uh, and last week's episode, I loved. Uh, a lot but this episode i loved even more ah it was it was everything i wanted in an episode uh it even had uh even had like a, a callback to the uh, what you call it episode the uh the bird episode at the very end which mm. we'll talk about and mm -hmm. i was like oh yes it all connects <laughs> it all connects i thought you might like this episode uh in particular paul because you were defending um uh, Top Gun the other week, and this felt very <laughs> Top Gun. -y. Uh, uh, yeah, I know it, it was great. It was great when, like, after we 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 signed off, I, I, you go like, okay, you guys went. You know what, Paul? Maybe next episode you just you just take off. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be putting the brig for like an episode. Putting the brig um, for an episode, Clyde. What did you think of tonight's Lower Decks? I liked it. I think as a standalone episode, if this episode had happened four weeks ago, I would have loved it. Um, the question that I think I've been asked by a number of people is, did this sufficiently wrap everything up and bring all the episodes where we were kind of 
had issues with the questions about or seemed like what is this did this make it was the payoff there and i don't know that the payoff was there for all of the stuff that we've been through but it was a good episode and one of my favorite moments was the moment where mariner walks back into the like the 10 forward lounge and Jennifer looks up and she has that face, right? It's just that there's a face and it's like, yep, no more up. canoodling with you. <laughs> you messed up. You know, you messed up. So um, like that, all in all, I liked it. I love, you know, shout out to the, the Burbank and the Sherman Oaks. I was really... <laughs> waiting for the the north hollywood but no no north hollywood love um so i thought that was kind of cool there was a moment where the first watch i was kind of like i was kind of emotional like i was like i was at that point like i was like (gasps) (laughs) and so i I, there there are some moments that i really liked i thought it was uh, i thought it did tie up a lot which is hard to do in 24 minutes Mm -hmm. um so yeah liked it didn't need to go through all the stuff I needed to go through to like it, though. Interesting. Mariah, yeah. what did you think, Captain? I uh, I really liked this episode. I thought it uh, hit all the points of a Lower Decks episode that I really enjoy. There's lots of laughs. It uh, somehow brings so much story in 24 minutes that I feel like an inadequate storyteller and want to figure out how to make more stories last 24 minutes because I think it's an impressive feat. Um, everything that they fit in. I thought they did a good job wrapping up quite a few of the storylines from the season, but I'm glad there's some threads left for us going into next season. I always like looking forward to the journey continuing. Um, I thought it was one of the more successful finales for me of, of Lower Decks so far. Um, of the three. Of the three. I know. So many <laughs> to pick from. But uh, I, th- I feel like they continue to deliver at at a consistently good level. And I think that that is, um, I, I, I'm having a good time. I have like no real complaints and I feel like that's like a great place to come from. And I had a good time mm. watching it. And what else do I really want from a piece of entertainment right now? You say that, but your tone is like, but, you know, but I don't, I'm not saying that there is a, but I'm just saying your tone. I don't, no, 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 I, I don't have any, I don't have any butts this episode. I feel like oh, that's we've not been true. here before. That's, that's not I feel true. like we've been here before, Mariah, where you said, I don't have anything uh, to say. Like, I, it's been good. And then 10 minutes into the pod, it all comes yeah. out. Yeah, so I gotta waiting. think about. I can't. It's a hot freak. We gotta, we gotta get the baseline. The baseline we, is. We gotta have I it had to a cool good off. time. We gotta, we, we gotta let it cool off. Yes. I had a good time. I enjoyed it. I have no major nits to pick. I have a few nits to pick, and that is it. See? That's it. Um, but we will make our way through this episode. Um, let's check out what some of the other hot freaks are from those in the chat. We've got hot freak and Karen Lee. It's Talyn, and she is rocking. We do get yep, a Talyn. Yep, 100 degree, 100, 100%. Yes, the but in the last two minutes of the episode. Yeah, we got to have set up for next just, season, Clyde. We I'm already listening. know it's coming. I'm all for it, but I'm just saying we've been looking for Talyn since episode one. And like last two minutes of the episode, I don't know if that counts. Just saying. I think it's- great setup for next <laughs> next season. Great setup for next season. I uh, can't wait. Kian says best space battle we've had seen yet in any of the new Trek sh- Trek shows. Lots of pew 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 indeed. 
Indeed. Pew, pew. Best. We had a work core ejection, Clyde. That's true. True. Facts. Facts. (laughs) Facts. Yes. Yes. Uh, Facts from Shaxx. Facts from Shaxx. Hot Freak from Chippy. This is amazing. I can't even pick a favorite spot. There are so many. The impressions were spot on. So many things. Talyn and Tendi will be so fun. I got choked up when the Callies all arrived. Uh, We've got Michael. So are the taxi... Texas class shifts all controlled by Badgie. The AI voice wasn't the same as Badgie's. No, it was um, all programmed to sound, I thought, like um, Buen Amigo, evil Buen Amigo. (laughs) Here's Here's the interesting thing about that. His first name is Les, Les Buen Amigo. And I was like, so not good friend, Friend. like less than a good friend. I thought that was. Okay. Ma- Ma- Mall amigo. Mall Mall amigo is really what it what it is. Yeah. Um, um, and we didn't get a we didn't get a uh, an Austin. We didn't. But do we really want a bad Austin ship? No. You know they all come to South by Southwest and have a good time. Yes. Well, what does that say about the Corpus Christi and the Alito? Anyway, um, and the Dallas. They <laughs> have the Dallas. And the Dallas. Yes. Um, hot freak. The apology from Freeman was trash. I'm sorry for suspecting you. How about apologize for thinking Mariner telling the truth is what was wrong. That will be one of my nits to pick later. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I, 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 I will. I will second that. That you know. But like, we can move on. And finally, went from lolling at Boilers' rapid fire roster of Cali ships to emotional at their support. Um, agreed. Okay. Dive there was in. one more. One more. One more. One more. One more. Okay. Did you catch? Oh wait. Did Four you... epaulets. Oh, yes. Mariners, Indiana Jones. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I. I mean, as a big, not just Indiana Jones, as a big Raiders of the Lost Ark fan, I thought that was a great kind of. It was mod. a fun nod. I. Yeah. I want to get like a good high res like image of that swing because there's like a bunch of stuff in the background that I'm sure is just like riddled with like fun <laughs> animator uh, Easter eggs. I know they're all in there. Um, But this episode opens with the threat of the California class being uh, replaced by the Texas class ships and a challenge is set. Um, A line that made me laugh really hard at the top here was Hans just told me the Felosian and tactical girlfriend Vedic heard that Starfleet command is shuttering the Cali class and replacing it with drones. (laughs) And then they confirmed that it was Tal guy who is the, who has the best gossip. (laughs) That was a good one. And then we have Boimler doing his very, I mean, shouts to Jack Quaid. Those impressions of his other cast members was very funny and made me giggle. I did think the same thing. I was like, Jack Quaid is on it. Like, this is this is one of those great moments. Um, and then, of course, Shaq's classic sitcom trope. Shaq walks in and uh, hears the impression of himself and gets very upset. Although I'm wondering why he was coming to Boimler to fix his phaser. I think he was coming to Rutherford, you know, like, you know, mm. the, the group, but, you know, because, uh, like, normally, like, you know, like, so the, the the bit there is, like, Shax comes in, he gets sad, he walks away, and he starts tearing up, you know, kind of kind of thing, and normally I'm going, like, oh, that's such a, a low-hanging fruit joke, but for whatever reason, in this episode, every time uh, they did it, I feel like, <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> And I, I know, I know, it's it's like it's so low hanging that it's on the ground, and yet I'm going like, oh, fruit! <laughs> <laughs> it's here. I'm ready. <laughs> um, 
and we get a challenge set uh, as a way for um, Captain Freeman to try to save the entirety of the Cali class. I do like the stakes in this episode feel very high, very uh, out of Lower Decker's hands, but they are involved because this is literally an all hands on deck situation. Um, I think my favorite moment, though, from the like montage of getting ready is the Frakes chair demonstration. Mm-hmm. Sure. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Like, that was just a moment of of Star... Like, that's an inside joke for Star Trek lovers everywhere. Like, yes, this is part of what you have to do to get ready is sit down extra hard around the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael, I'll point it out. My other favorite line from that one, if I can get my mouse to work. Okay. Uh, Billups, I want to see Commander Data level work here, people. Those isolinator chips better be a blur. What I love about that line is that I had just recently rewatched. I'm like I'm rewatching like old like uh, I guess the uh, Next Generation, and I just watched that episode. <laughs> I, 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 I showed my wife. I go like, oh, now this is an episode. It's the second episode, so it's a little cringy. Like first gen can be cringy, and this mm-hmm. this, this, this does not you know dodge that. But, <laughs> but here we go. And just watching Data put the isolator chips in, it, 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 I go like, oh, they're just digging deep. They're deep, digging deep into the uh, into the cannon. Um. So I, uh, admittedly, have not actually seen the new Top Gun movie, but I understand the premise is traditional uh, uh, plane like uh, fighter jets versus drones. Is that correct? No, no. Okay. <laughs> that is, that is a good like synopsis for an old Jamie Fox Jessica Biel baby. baby. That came out before Ray. Like that came out after Ray, but it was made before Ray. And like in the old poster, like you know, Jamie Fox was like to the left of uh, whatever his name, the the, the lead of it of the movie mm-hmm. was. And when Ray, when he won the Oscar for Ray, they shifted him to the center. <laughs> so when Stealth came out, he, like it's like a it's a Jamie Foxx movie, except he dies like within the first third. <laughs> let, never let it be said that I, I will refuse to watch any action movie whatsoever on the planet. Um, <laughs> Uh, but what did y'all think of uh, Freeman's challenge to these drone ships? Uh you go first, Clyde. I was going to say it, it, it didn't feel smooth, but needed, right? Like it definitely a plot device, um, but it made sense. It's again, we're back to this point where Freeman is, is defending the honor of the Cali class, right? Like there is this just everybody's always against us. And she has all this belief in the Cali class ship that she's going we can we can beat you because it's about us and who we are and not the technology. Um, and so this is your traditional, we've got heart and spunk and moxie. This is Rudy. This is, you know, it doesn't matter how big and strong you are. We are David taking on Goliath. Whatever trope uh, theme you want, that's what it was. And so I was okay with it, but I, w- I was just like, let's 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 get to the let's get to the action. 
Um, which is weird because usually I'm all about the tech and I want to see the new tech and the new toys. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, go ahead. Paul. You, I was going to say that for me, this is probably where uh, I am. I am the less excited about is Freeman in general because, like, hmm. I feel like in this season, I go like, "Are you a bad captain?" You know, like, because I, I, she she puts them in situations where I go like, "I don't know if this is really." what i want from a starfleet captain like you know like a lot of things seem a little personal you know things are like you know like kicking off mariner without even listening to her kind of thing it seemed like from the previous episode it seems kind of like impulsive in a way that uh uh that is not to my you know picard you know uh standard that said like you know all captains are sort of different in their own right and uh and I, I totally accepted it. But like I think I'm more a little bit with Clyde where it's like, okay, this is a plot device. It's not actually coming as much from like realism, Star Trek realism. <laughs> I did think to me, like watching Captain Freeman essentially lean on her team to know that they were all going to deliver what she needed them to deliver. And it ended up actually being true, right? Like she put mm-hmm. her entire crew to the test and they they passed with flying colors on this uh particular sort of test that they've set up against these drones um i do think it's interesting like the the commentary that the show is providing right now right like i don't know if y'all have seen i mean there's like a bunch of like the ai bot tries to write a movie the ai bot generated artwork ai you know like ai kind of coming more and more into the fold and like what does that do um to you know, the workforce going forward. And I feel a lot of people feel that same pressure. So I think it's interesting to see it play out even in this like future space where we have seen AI sometimes flourish in in the cases of like data, Data, right? And then we have it um, completely destructive. (laughs) One of the uh, little touches I loved about this episode with when it dealt with the Alito is like, you know, the graphic that you use, the little lines you know, the, from the Lido, it comes from uh, an episode of uh, like a uh, original series where uh, Richard Daystrom, you know, the guy mm-hmm. who founded the Daystrom Institute, you know, came up with a ship like like basically the the elite the Texas class. Mm-hmm. Basically, here's this computer that's going to automate all starships called M5, and that was the graphic that they used. So I was going like, oh, they just it, like if you were a Star Trek, you know, a, you know, deep diver, you go like, oh. This is going to go bad the moment you see it. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, it's already a bad role. You know it's going to yeah. go bad, you know? Yeah. Well, I think I think the minute, you know, we get into a situation where there's technology that is theoretically better than human, it, if you have more than one of them, it's going to go bad, right? Mm-hmm. When you have one, one is okay, right? The thing about data is the data can't be duplicated. But the minute that you duplicate data, it goes sideways, right? Whether it's lore, whether it's a whole planet of androids and Picard, like mm-hmm. it's one is okay, more than one isn't. And I think when the Alito shows up and we're like, oh man, this is cool. But the minute that it's like, this is going to replace, mm-hmm. you people. know, people, you knew it went sideways. Um but also, Paul, you mentioned not feeling Freeman. You know, it, it, I think that's an interesting comment because I'm looking and going, where does Freeman stack up 
and the pantheon of Star Trek captains, mm-hmm. right? Um, and usually the show that we're watching, the captain is the star. Sure, sure. Yeah, this is not the case in this one. Yeah. And I would say, and I'm going to take a lot of heat for this. Oh, I got to put her somewhere behind. I'd have to decide whether or not she's in front of or behind Archer. As a <laughs> always, always with the, going back to Enterprise. <laughs> I mean, he's the worst Enterprise captain. I mean, he's <laughs> the worst captain. Well, he, here's the thing that I, it's part of the show, right? The show, in some ways, is reminiscent structurally of like Malcolm in the Middle, and the parents need to be a little not with it, right, for Malcolm in the Middle to work. Like, you know, the kids are, have to be the, the people who are in, you know, in control and everyone else has to seem at the very least uh, not not all together with it. And I think in season one and season two, it did a good balance of going like, oh, here is here is like, you know, like uh, my mom being really crazy and not great. But then you, you flip it a little bit and you see, oh, she has a perspective. But in this season, at least for me, I feel like Freeman does a lot of things that are personal as opposed to for the good of like, you know, like she's, she's going for the good of the Cali class. Like you, I'm defending the Cali class, but if I, but with our journey with her, at least from my perspective, it's kind of personal for her. Like, you know, she even goes to say like, you know, you think a, uh, uh, a computer, uh, can make better choices than I can, as opposed to humans. You know, like it's it's like little touches like that where I feel like she's a little, or or they've rendered her a little bit selfish in this, or or less mm-hmm. noble. That's probably the best way to describe it. But this might be where I get sent to the brig again. So, <laughs> I mean, I just think like if we're, I'm wondering though if there is like a uh, a way that you're putting her into these boxes because you know it's it's just reading like i don't know it's also like the discourse online right like michael burnham and captain freeman like mm-hmm. janeway it's like these emotional women captains who are making choices that are deeply and more personal in comparison to what kirk who likes to sleep with everything that isn't deeply personal uh, choices being made and love interests coming into account and-, and 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 i do understand like you know but i i watch janeway and like her personal, when I think of Jalen, because I'm watching Voyager again too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and her personal comes from like a frustration, almost always, uh, of like not being good enough for the for the task of bringing her crew back home. Mm-hmm. So like she'll be she'll be really impulsive and she'll like roll the dice in some really major swings that like, you're like oh that's a little reckless. Uh, and like you're all for that, but like you know. I don't think Burnham or Janeway, I can I can't think of a time when they're doing stuff for their own personal gain. You know, I I, th- I wonder if it's because this is also the first time we're essentially seeing the B team captain. Yeah, you know, that that could mm-hmm. be absolutely it. It's uh, like I, you are the captain who who almost in the same way that the Badmiral, right? Is like once you're an admiral, there's nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. Whereas like this is the first time we're essentially seeing a captain where there are other places she can go. Like she can upgrade to other ships. She could go do all these other sure, things. Hundred sure. percent. Um, I mean, this is like yeah. you make an excellent point. But I, I, I would ask you this: Would you rather see Freeman as captain or Mariner? Mariner. Oh. Uh, Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because here's the difference. Because I mean, she literally says that Mariner does not want to be captain, and you um, don't want to be under someone she, who doesn't want their job. I, what she said was, "I don't know about that yet." Right. To me, that's growth, and I look at Mariner and go, "Mariner's the Mariner's your rookie, right? She's your she's your 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 number one draft pick rookie. She's not ready yet, but when she gets ready, she's gonna be amazing." And so right. do you do you ride with her early so she gets some of that experience because she's going to be Michael Burnham-esque? I might. I might. I don't know. I feel like Captain Tendy's probably more likely to occur. Oh, like, like that, that, that's 100%, right? I'm, I'm, I'm all for Captain Tendy. Mariner's <laughs> <laughs> um, got first officer vibes, though, too. Very like, first officer 100%, vibes. 100%, 100%. She is a Frakes, if I had ever seen she, a Frakes. Oh, yeah. She, she, she is definitely a Frakes. That's right. Um, yeah, I think so to get to my biggest nitpick of this whole episode is how quickly Mariner is self-aware of her desire to go back to Starfleet. Um, and then how quickly Mariner forgives Boimler and like seemingly forgives her mom. And I thought I, I kind of wanted, I felt like we had so many good emotional moments this season. I wanted a better moment for Mariner's return. And it felt, I mean, it was celebratory, right? Like everyone was there. It's fun. You get to see all of the Cali classes together. A bunch of, you know, smaller characters we've seen throughout the series are all here now. We get like the random crew, the 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 crew with Fly Boimler. Fly Boimler. Um, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, that was my only big nit to pick was I, I wanted a... a a slow down, softer moment for some emotion there. Like this is actually a, a very interesting thing because uh, for me, like, and I've mentioned this before, like, I feel like they're making Mariner, and in fact, all, all the, all the major cast, like, they're really polishing off their flaws. Like Mariner doesn't make, you know, she doesn't do anything wrong in the the last two episodes, right? Mm-hmm. She, she she goes and defends sure. her uh she goes and defends her crew she gets she gets you know like pounded down for that sent to space station nowhere and then like uh in this episode she goes and saves her crew she, like she, she is only the hero here mm-hmm. you know there's, there's there is i'll, I'll take it a step farther paul not only she's the hero even we the audience has, has assumed that she has ditched starbase 80 to go do some nefarious criminal activity. And it turns out that she's funded by uh, Admiral Picard to actually take back artifacts to give back to museums. Like, I don't know about you guys, but at first I was like, oh, that's got to be a cover for something. Even Mariner thought it, but in truth. Mm -hmm. So she literally does nothing wrong in these last few episodes. This whole season, she's really been playing it by the book. Uh Um, and so it's that's been an interesting journey for us watching like, Mariner. Like my perspective is like you know, like I, I and I don't know how the the future seasons will be, but like everyone now is like kind of like developed into who they're fully grown, if you will. I don't know if there needs to be a emotional arc for every every everyone now, uh, every season, and it seems like they just are gonna get into adventures just like star trek like you know uh, uh the, the you know original series spock doesn't grow mccoy doesn't grow 
you know, like they, they have an emotional moment, like that Spock and McCoy, like, you know, have uh, a bonding moment in one episode. And then, and, you know, in two episodes later, you know, McCoy goes, you green blooded, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so like, and, and so technically it, Picard very rarely grows. With the exception of early Picard was definitely cringy. Fair. And he became less cringy as the uh, series went on. Absolutely. And I did. And, and for those of you who know us, I did not know that until, until you rewatched. It wasn't even the rewatch. It's that every time we did a rewatch or we did a special episode with Grant, we had to justify what it was he was seeing. Mm-hmm. And there was all of these apologies for Picard. It was kind of like, <laughs> it's like, no, yeah, Picard's Grant was just like, then, Picard's like, kind what? of a dick. <laughs> yes. And we're like, well, he was in this episode, but actually he's really great. And it just kept yeah. coming up over and over again. And you start to realize, no, okay. So there's there definitely was some growth there at some point. So I imagine like, you know, like the next season or the next seasons, you could have all four of them be exactly who they are, and it'll still be a fun season. You know, oh, for sure. And I, I don't know if there needs to be growth. Whereas, like the way they set it up, like you knew that Boimler had to change. You mm-hmm. knew that uh, that Mariner had to change. Something was going. It it could not work with them that way forever in Starfleet. So, like you know, I, I think that's that's cool. Like, I, or I think like it's. It's a good arc. And now, like, will there be another arc? Maybe. But I don't know there needs to be. Yeah, we shall see. I have, um, did, uh, I think I checked. Did you watch all the way through to the post credit scene, Paul? I did. Um, so I think it's time for a um, Mariah prediction. <laughs> 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 Which is, I think... The badgy eyepiece that's getting mm-hmm. sucked up yeah. is going to cause some sort of chaos that's going to give us our crossover into Strange oh, Worlds. Oh, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Because the idea of getting to see Anson Mount having to do anything with badgy brings me joy. <laughs> but, uh, it, it's great. Like, you know, I, I really love, like, so, so you know, uh, like, at the end credits, right, we see Badgie, the eyepiece, and then mm-hmm. we see Badgie. But like in episode six, in the in the Exobot exo- episode, like uh, like the Peanut Peanut Hamper episode, mm-hmm. like you know, like in the credits, in the opening credits, you see Rutherford's uh, Rutherford eyepiece. Yeah. So I, I I was like, oh my god, they did it! They they could, they, they they made it relevant in a way that I was just so happy to see. And I'm a big Badgie fan because like I'm crazy i should be put Bad- <laughs> badgy is the beetlejuice of star trek i think yeah, if you say yeah. his name enough times he has to show up <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah you know i i think it's just yeah anyway i, I for whatever reason when i see badgy psychotic or not i it makes me smile truly um but yes Ultimately, our crew is victorious after quite the space battle with the Texas class. I do think it's hilarious that this episode is called The Stars at Night, uh, which is a lyric, if you don't know, from Deep in the Heart of Texas. Yes, oh, which is played at almost all sporting yes. events. Um, and you can't live in Texas for three minutes without knowing that it's a yeah. it's law. It is, it is a law. They, um, they kick you out if you do not um, clap in the correct places for that song. 
Um, so I found that very funny. I also, I, I can't get out of here without reading off all of the names <laughs> of the ships that came through. So we had the Alhambra, the Oakland, uh, the Merced, the Sacramento, the Carlsbad, the Englewood. Uh, we've seen all of those ships before. And then we get to the San Diego, the San Clemente, the Sherman Oaks, the uh, Vacaville, the Burbank, Fresno, Santa Monica, San Jose, Culver City, Anaheim, River, Riverside, uh, Vallejo, West Covina, which I thought was funny. West Covina got one. Yeah, Pacific, huh? Pacific Palisades, uh, Palisades, Redding, Eureka, Mount Shasta. And I think that was it. And then, yeah, our Texas ships were the Dallas and the Corpus Christi. Oh, there's also the Bakersfield and the Ventura. <laughs> Yes. What, what was the name of the uh, of the sovereign class ship? Uh, I, I missed that. Uh, the the Valkyter is that what? what Van? Oh, yeah, Van 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 Kitters or Van Sitters or something like that. Okay. Was that was that? Oh, John Van Sitters is um, the VP of Star Trek for Paramount. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he, he got his ass kicked. He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I, I also uh, just a, a, a detail like that I really liked was that the the, uh, the Texas class had those uh, Kelvin torpedoes from the Romulan ship from you know from I, I really like the burst uh, torpedoes there. I was like, oh, nice touch. Yeah, there was. Um, uh, sorry, my mind just went to Prodigy, and I was like, wrong well, thing. Before before we go there, I thought one thing that was interesting is in the last couple episodes. A lot of people died. Yeah. Yes. Some <laughs> heavy casualty episodes. I, I wasn't expecting that for Star Trek, and I wasn't really expecting that for an animated show. I wonder, because like we've obviously seen lots of people uh, taken out in some Star Trek episodes, and I wonder if it feels different because it's animated. You don't mm. expect death in animation as often, I feel like. Oh, like We see... Two people die, right? We 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 see, like you know, we see uh, Buen Amigo uh-huh. bite it ish. Like it, it cuts before blood. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, we see that random uh, shot where, uh, oh, what you call it? Uh, like you see the space station get blown up, and you see mm-hmm. people. And, and and I think that's about enough. I need. <laughs> but yeah, those ships are very destructive, much like yeah. Texas. Um... <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. It lives up to the name. Hey, just a reminder, if you do live in Texas, early voting has started, and it's a really important midterm election. Uh, definitely check out the League of Women Voters for more information on how you can be an informed voter this voting season and vote all the way down the ballot because your city council matters, your school board matters. All of that is important. Please, for the love of God, vote. <laughs> we have a small chance of getting Beto in office and it would be incredible. <laughs> but alas, I cannot have my hopes up too high. Mariah prediction. Uh, Mariah prediction. <laughs> Let's hope it's true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want that up. I don't want that up for, for me to say like Beto's going to win because most of my predictions are never right. <laughs> um, okay. Any other thoughts on lower decks before we jump over to prodigy? I think we we covered it, and if there isn't, we'll, we'll you know we'll we'll talk about it later. But like yep. you know, it's great. Um, I'm happy for Shax. That's my last thing I'll say. I really enjoyed watching him getting to eject the warp core. Um, okay, so Asylum for Prodigy. We're back, episode eleven, mid season. Um, it 
was written by Kevin and Dan uh, Hageman, our showrunner creators, directed by Steve In Chen Ong and Soon Shin. Um, and I think it is time once again for. Some hot freaks time, guys. What did you think of this uh, kind of mid another premiere of Prodigy, essentially? Clyde. Uh, Paul. Clyde. I absolutely loved it. Despite, for those of you who've been listening to or watching the pod, you know how I feel about whales. Um, I still loved it. Um, I, I thought they got off to a really strong start. It was interesting. Um, you had a number of really cool voice guest stars with David Diggs and Jamil, um, Jamila Jamil. Yes. Jamila Jamil. Um, you had Chakotay, you've got Janeway as more than just a hologram, but an actual Janeway. Um, you got battle scenes and escape pods, like. All in all, I really enjoyed this episode. I actually really enjoyed it again on the rewatch too. So, um, yeah, I'm a. I, I wasn't quite sure about Prodigy um, and trying to figure out is this actually a show for children, but I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I, I feel like it was. I would say good. No, no, but. It's just, it was good for me, and th- th- there's no butt in the tone. This is a good episode. I, I don't know if I, I, I loved it as much as Clyde, but like, I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I was excited to get back into some time with these characters. I think all the voice actors are doing uh, of our core group are really great, and I'm excited for the guest stars this season. Um, I have mixed feelings about Chakotay, mostly because of the actor who portrays Chicote has ruined it for me um but I'm choosing to just see him as Chicote and not as Robert Beltran um <laughs> and uh yeah there was some laugh out loud moments for me I too Clyde struggle with the and I saw I think it was on um trekmovie.com so one of their um reviews mentioned like I'm still struggling to figure out if this is a show for eight-year-olds and for 30 plus year old Star Trek fans <laughs> like you know you asked me earlier if my children watch this and the answer is no um at least not yet I mm-hmm. just for young kids it's, it feels like it's when I think about the stuff that they do watch this is kind of sophisticated right Mm -hmm. it's not that dissimilar from lower decks with the exception of the humor is much less adult Mm -hmm. right so i would say if you take lower decks and get rid of the edginess and kind of the nostalgia you're you're close to prodigy on a humor level yeah. I mean, even in writing up the notes though, for like our, our podcast tonight, like you can tell it's a kid's show and just like the core simplicity of the story mm-hmm. being told to each episode, right? Like we have a very clear beginning, middle and end. There's sort of a lesson weaved into it, right? It has all of those sort of like markers of a, of a typical kid's show. I would say, I feel like if, I don't know, I, it's like maybe if I was in that, like 
nine to 11 age range. This might be of interest. Perhaps it feels like when I started getting interested in like Pokemon in that era of my life, Mm -hmm. you know, where you have slightly more complicated storytelling. Um, and some of the jokes are there for the adults in the room that go a little over your head, you know, like we're not quite at like Ren and Stimpy, but we're at like, (laughs) or Hey Arnold, but, um, but yeah, I can, I can see the appeal. Um, I do think the animation, especially in that opening sequence, was beautiful. The like mermaid aqua people, mm-hmm. really yeah. cool. I love the save the whale um, moment. Just, just like Clyde. Clyde loves whales. It made me chuckle. I love whales. I don't love whales in, in Star the future. Trek. In the future. You don't like <laughs> whales in the future. You want them... <laughs> No, I like whales. I'm a, I, save the whales. I'm just saying that this whole concept Hasht- of uh, that, that, that's Clyde's hashtag. Save the whales. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> hashtag save the whales. I'm just, just saying. saying. Save the whales. Um, but we have essentially jumped a few weeks into the future. This is after our crew. If you are catching up, um, have rescued um, and break, broke everyone out of the Tars Lamora, escaping the Diviner, who they are assuming is no longer with us anymore. Um, I did like that they get a good moment to sort of reintroduce all of the characters by going through the scanner at the star base that they eventually get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, sh- and I thought it was very funny that the guy kept being like the final frontier. And they're just like, we don't, get, we don't get your joke. Why, why does he keep saying that? <laughs> that was a moment I was like, this is, these are lines made for Star Trek fans. This is yes. funny. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where like, did either of you ever watch, uh, probably Mariah, you might be a little young for this. Uh, <laughs> Robotech on, on TV as opposed to on cable. So, Everything in me wants to go, what are you saying about me, Paul? But the answer to that question is yes. So, so, oh, <laughs> it's only being a jerk if I'm wrong. <laughs> yes, I watched Robotech on, on, when it was on TV. Free to air, right? Was, yes, was Saturday, to... it was like a Saturday morning or afternoon so or how something. How old were you? How old were you? I mean, I had to be about, I was young. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was young too when I when I watched it, uh, and uh, and that was it probably the in only... eighty five. Okay, yeah, yeah uh, definitely yeah. in 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 the eighties. I watched. <laughs> yes, I watched it. I was young and I watched it live. So, yes. <laughs> but 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 that was my first serialized cartoon, and this is this is basically serialized cartoon storytelling, and and I was able to absorb it. Like you know, I might not have gotten all the comedy. Or all the the innuendos when you know people were hooking up, but but like you know, but like you absorb it at the level that you can absorb it. I think. You know, Paul, that's a really good point because I've gone back once, maybe twice, maybe more than twice, and rewatched Robotech. It's sophisticated. Yeah, no, it's, it's like it's, it's it's it. There's it's, there's it's, complicated storylines. You've got war. There's a lot of stuff going on, and to your point. You know, you I loved was, it, didn't you? You you're into it. You're it. Told, well, uh, you, yeah. It's a, basically a transformer with guns. So yes, I absolutely yeah. loved it. So I, I I can't put myself in a nine year old's head right now. You know, right. right? But like, I look at myself back at that age. I go like, oh, I could absorb things that hit me on the on you know whatever I could absorb. I could absorb, and so 
if you if you show your how old are your kids client uh, i got an 11 and a five-year-old like i imagine if you showed the you know prodigy to the 11 year old they will either go this is dumb and just reject it completely or they go like oh i love this and and, and they absorb it for what it is i, I don't she she doesn't love it i i i'm interested <laughs> I'm interested in reintroducing it to her, but I think, I think for the very principles that you mentioned about Robotech, which I think is a, a really great analogy, I was going to be into Robotech because I was into transforming vehicles, right? Yep. Like robots, vehicles, and a little bit of a love story. You had me. So you could have called mm-hmm. it whatever you wanted to. It could have been transforming buses and I was probably on, on board. Sure. Um, I think similarly, if you like space, and sci-fi and you're a kid then there's a good chance that you'll you may love prodigy mm-hmm. um so all you 11 year olds yeah. listening to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> prodigy get on the prodigy train um to remind everyone of our main characters here and there's some fun cute moments with all of them we get um jankum uh learns that he's a telluride and they are a founding member of the federation which just adds to his ego uh we have rock the bricar uh gwen not detected and then doll just says report to starfleet command we obviously know um zero is um oh my gosh i just blanked medusin. oh what medusin Medusin, yes. Um, and then we get confirmation Murph is a melanoid slime worm. Yeah, not to be, not to be confused with a, a, no, a, no, a, an, a <laughs> no, an insult cancer. thrown at, at Wesley Crusher. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was cool that they they took a moment to identify everyone and even gave Doll a moment to say, Hey, no, you have a you have a history. Like you're mm-hmm. you are known. Exactly. Like that was that was that it's was a like great moment, yeah. Uh, and still Chupi, keeping it a secret. Yeah, Chippy brought up. Apparently, there's a wild theory going around that Doll is Janeway and Tom's offspring, and that thing detected detected their DNA. I, I hope that is true. That would be wild. <laughs> I hope that's true. Like, like you know, like lizard lizards growing up to be, <laughs> you know, like overreaching teenagers. Love it. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a no, but that's. Uh... <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Do a Mariah prediction? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> that's gonna be a no for Mariah. Um, but uh, I wanted to get into so essentially, you know, like the core of this episode is the ship. There's something going on with the ship when it connects to other Starfleet technology, right? Mm-hmm. And so our crew is trying to rejoin Starfleet, and the ship is like, uh, no. <laughs> Um, and we keep getting these flashbacks from Gwen's um, father, the diviner, saying that something is a weapon. Do y'all have any theories as to what happened between uh, Chakotay taking off with the pro- with the protostar into the Delta Quadrant and it becoming this uh, weapon against Starfleet? Clyde? I I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no because I I think I know a little bit too much. Okay. So, noted. so I'm noted. Gonna, I'm gonna say no. As a person who knows not very much, I assume that like you know uh, the way that it's laid out, and I hope that I'm wrong because it, it seems a little simplistic. You know, 
Chakotay goes to Delta Quadrant, gets intercepted, gets captured. Uh, some super virus gets loaded up to uh, uh, what you call it, the Protostar, and before it gets sent back to Starfleet, Chakotay like hides it. That 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 that's that's what I seem I feel like it's set up to be. Right, but, and now he's stuck in the Delta Quadrant again forever. <laughs> or, or 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 he's. <laughs> uh but but like but that that that's i'm, I'm guessing you know i'm yeah. just guessing i was like are we really gonna have like death death in the kids show yeah, i don't know that's, exactly. that'll be interesting so were you guys how do you guys feel about seeing the diviner again floating i mean he's a fun villain so i'm excited that we're not totally done with him i i find his you know the relationship between him and gwen to be interesting and compelling and and i want to know more about their existence between each other um and i think gwen will have some way of sort it feels like gwen to me will have a big hero moment this season is kind of what i'm thinking but i am enjoying doll's growth and sort of being a bit more of a humble leader thus far right i mean so a couple things to 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 piggyback off of that one i was actually happy at the thought of him not being in the in the Mm. season Mm. um Wait, because, is this all season one or is it? This it, is all season one. Yeah. yeah. It, it's an extended order. Yeah. I, it's a way for them to not pay animators more money. Oop. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I, I was, I was actually looking forward. I was like, oh, we're past that. This is something different. But to your point, he is a good big bad. And when you have a good big bad, you shouldn't toss them away. Cause I think one of the things that we've learned is, when you toss away a good big bad thinking that you'll just come up with another one that doesn't usually work out that well. And then it becomes this just kind of serial episode of the week kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, so to your point, while I was happy that he was gone, it will make for better television. Like, um, uh, just to interject, like my real, my real question is that like, you know, like the, the series kind of starts off with this assumption, like it's going to be a little bit like Voyager world where they're far away from the Federation and they're mm-hmm. going to head towards Federation with the protostar. That is not the case. Mm-hmm. And so what's the show going to be? Uh, that's why I don't know. Like, you know, like if, yeah. if, they're, if they're in the Federation space, if they're, if they're at the edge of Federation space, what does that mean? I mean, it seems like, they're setting up they essentially have to keep away from the federation because whatever is on the ship could destroy the federation which is interesting that they're then having to both stay away from the good guys and the bad guys in a way because like i mean like the solution then is just blow up the protostar right seemingly maybe but but it has a it has a, a a star core so who knows what that would do once you blew it up Sure, uh, but I'm just saying, like, you, you, you blow up the ship, you take a bus to Starfleet. That's it. But then that's not good TV, Paul. <laughs> I, no. I, I understand, but, like, also good TV like, is basically it's like having... how Seinfeld would be solved if everyone had cell phones. <laughs> uh, I'm just... I'm, uh, okay, uh, I know the way to the brig. No. <laughs> you know what else no, I know, what I know. dawned on me is when we talk about growth, I like the growth of Doll. Mm-hmm. Right, sure, like yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't that long ago where he was. I found him really annoying as a captain, and again mm-hmm. as a reluctant captain. And somehow he seemed to really have grown up, and now seems worthy of sitting in 
this seat, though I really see him as a cadet captain. Yeah. But he he seems much more worthy of like bringing people together and not running away from this responsibility. I'm excited to see where Dahl goes. I'm enjoying Gwen also sort of figuring out herself outside of her dad's sort of systems and, and outside of any systems really. Um, and, and I think the, the chemistry between all of the core group is, is so far really great. Apparently um, they've teased, we're going to get some sort of Murph illusion, uh, Murph evolution this season. So we'll see if he stays. Did you say yeah, that? Because I thought form. when we saw the, the the transparent mermaid, you know, I thought those were like, oh, is that what Murph grows up to be? <laughs> <laughs> that would be wild. Um, would be- some other things I found really fun in this episode was the hot dog replicator scene. And when it started just throwing hot dogs at them, I always love a, a replicator on the fritz. I think it's very funny. That like- felt very kid. Yeah. Mickey Mouse like show to me. And I was like, that's fun. Like for me, the the thing that was really interesting was the uh, was the space bridge right between the ship and the, mm, and, the mm-hmm. and I and my first thought was like wow that's really cool and I would be very uncomfortable walking across <laughs> that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think that's what we can appreciate about this the the childlike nature mm-hmm. of our crew is that they embody a part of us that is real because when Jangum Pog puts that foot out there and taps it. That's mm-hmm. what most of us would do. If this is your first time stepping on that, you're not just like you're not gonna have the like the right stuff walk no. where you just all walking like I do that on skyscrapers that have those like little windows you can look down on. I'm like, I'm not just putting my full weight on this immediately. I'm gonna do a little tap first. <laughs> yes. And and that makes sense. So to me, that's the type of writing that really captures um like the reality of the situation. Like there was no words, no dialogue, but the fact that he tapped it, I was able to identify with. Th- there's there's a lot of little touches in the show that I, I appreciate. Um, what else? Oh, Jankum is funny to me when he goes to throw up in the bin. Jankum needs to relate relocate some chunks. Um, <laughs> it felt very kid kid fun. Kids love a good throw up joke, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael L. Yes, says, I do. Wait, wait, no. Yes, I do. That's the, that, 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 was, that was the appropriate response. Uh, you're getting so old, Paul. <laughs> uh, I liked how Gwen saved herself from the flooding medical container. She wasn't helpless. Female character in need of saving. Yes. Um, let's see. But what I also liked about that is that while she did save herself, her, her entire was friend there to, trying group, to help her mm-hmm. yeah they were all there to to try and save her but yeah she saved herself so it was the, it was i love that scene i really did love that scene yeah um whale overall i thought it was a fun reboot premiere episode i'm excited to see where things go i feel like they've set a lot of things in motion um i'm glad they did a bit of a time jump uh for this i think it helps kind of bridge the gap between the two so you don't feel like you've just been waiting for like the next day you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i thought that was smart and, and i really love the space whales because whales you know i'm just saying <laughs> need to be saved all right y'all anything else about this episode of prodigy or... I, I have i have one minor mm-hmm. quibble about uh i was just thinking about about the about lower decks uh-huh. And that's when the uh, Dallas class were shooting phasers at warp. 
Mm. And, you know, and generally that is not, uh, that's not done. That's why photon torpedoes were invented because failures, you know, dissipate during warp fields. And, you know, you know, and unless you are in the Kelvin universe, and I know this is very boring, but, so I apologize. So we're on a Star Trek podcast. Yeah. You're literally in the one place, anybody. Paul, where yes. this is not boring. Uh, so, so, uh, if I, I, if I you're having going, this conversation at a bar, stop. Right. But like, here... Like, but this is this, this how I pick up ladies. Like, you know, I go, you know, hey, you know, you know, phasers don't work in a work field. <laughs> there's a but place, like, there's a place where that works. This but, but, is that place. So, so I'm, I'm watching Lower Decks and they fire the phasers. And I get like this flashback to like, you know, 91 or whatever, like, you know, next generation, uh, the, the Enterprise D tech manual comes out and I'm reading about. Uh, phasers and photon torpedoes. This is a whole paragraph. So it's like, imagine like you're watching watching me watch a show, phasers come in, and then the, the Ratatouille moment with... Me <laughs> 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 looking at the man goes, that's not right. <laughs> anyway. Perhaps that, because they're the fully automated versions, uh -huh. they have upgraded weapon systems. Well, that would be very Texan to have upgraded weapon systems. 100%. <laughs> and... and to be fair, like, you know, the Venger, like in the Kelvin universe, you know, mm -hmm. was able to fire phasers in in warp. So mm -hmm. it's not unprecedented, but I just feel like they did not abide by that tech manual. Which, you know, it's either here nor there. It's just a statement. I mean, they're not Enterprise Ds either. Yeah, this is fair. This is fair. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. We're going to have not... to get some manuals on some some Texas class and some Cali class ships. There we go. There we go. Figure okay. it out. Anything else, Clyde, Paul, thoughts? No, I, 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 I'm done. All right. Extra long episode for everybody tonight. This was super fun. I'm excited for more Prodigy next week. You can find us back here again live on Thursday on YouTube talking Star Trek Prodigy, the podcast releasing uh, the day after. Uh, you can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple. You can also uh, rate the show on Spotify as long as you listen, I think, to the first minute and a half of the episode. So you can do that over there, too. Visit StarTrekPod.co to get links and more, uh, as well to find our Patreon, uh, where you can come hang out with us in the Slack channel, where I told everyone they needed to watch till the end credits. So you can get some fun insider information. Uh, Clyde, how else can people find us on the Internet? Check us out at Star Trek Pod on Twitter. Shout out to Karen who helps run our Twitter. Yes. Thank you, Karen. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for joining us tonight on Star Trek Discovery Pod. Live long and prosper, y'all. Good night. Pew, 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 pew. pew. <laughs>